Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast with Matthew Sardo. Take your sticky paws off me, you damn dirty ass. Holy sh! They're actually monkeys fighting robots! You can follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots and on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. Make sure to download and review our podcast from iTunes and Stitcher. And now, here's your host, Matt. Welcome to the 133rd episode of the movie show by Monkeys Fighting Robots. How's everybody doing? Today is a pretty awesome show. Tom Cruise's American Maid comes out this week. The Hero, starring Sam Elliott, is on iTunes. And managing editor of Monkeys Fighting Robots, Larry Taylor, has some movie news for us. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo. I'm also the co-founder of MonkeysFightingRobots.com. If you like the show, subscribe on Blog Talk Radio or drop us a few comments on the website. Comments are the best. The movie show is now sponsored by Uncanny Heroes in Tampa. There are a ton of trades and graphic novels coming out this week, and at Uncanny Heroes every day, trades and graphic novels are 25% off. Uncanny Heroes is located at 12904 North 56th Street in Temple Terrace. Check them out on the web at uncannyheroes.com and like them on Facebook at Uncanny Heroes Tampa. Support your local comic book store, people. Oh, very exciting. Very exciting. I'm, I'm super nervous because this, this is happening this weekend. We have a booth at Megacon Tampa this year, and we are giving away from IDW the John Romita, the Amazing Spider-Man Artist Edition signed by Stan Lee and John Romita. And John Romita even did a personal sketch in the book. You need to make sure you like us on Facebook to get all the details. So go to Facebook, find Monkeys Finding Robots, like it, and it's the pin post right there with all the information. We also partnered up with Nerd Roast Coffee Company. They have a unique origin. Nerd Roast Coffee is what happens when developers, designers, and other nerds come together to create the perfect coffee. They wanted to make delicious coffee that will give you the kick you need to get you through your day. And each bag of coffee features unique comic book artwork. Ah, you know, you're making coffee and then you're like reading. You're like, I, I don't know what to do with it. I'm just probably not even going to go to work at that point in time. Check them out on the web at nerdroastcoffee.com and use promo code MONKEYS15 for 15% off your order. Once again, that's nerdroast.com. This is the United States Drug Enforcement Agency. We are ordering you to land. Hi, right, boys. Let's land. Is he? My name's Barry Seal. That's for the damage for your sister. Hey, little darling, and your bike. Some of this shit really happened. You never saw me. Top of your class in the Civil Air Patrol, a pilot like you shouldn't be flying buses. Welcome to Miami. 
Welcome to Bakersfield. Haven't you ever wanted something more, Barry? You should be serving your country. Your CIA. We need you to deliver stuff for us. Oh, this is legal? If you're doing it for the good guys. Barry Seals, a goddamn genius! You are an airline pilot, Barry. That's how you support this family. This is gonna be good for us. Is this all legal? You trust me? No! We're expanding operations, Barry! The devil you know, the devil you know, the devil you don't. Roscoe dug this up in the backyard. There are bills blowing around everywhere. I'll rake it up in the morning. ATF, drop your weapons! Guns, drugs, money laundering. Did y'all know that caddies have more trunk space than any other car? I'll get each and every one of you a caddy for your troubles. See, I'm gonna walk out of here. <laughs> I read a damn thing any one of you can do about it. He's free to go. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Uh, Boy should have taken a caddies. <laughs> working for the CIA, the DEA, and Pablo Escobar. 1,500 kilos. That's 15. 1,500 kilos, Barry. In one go. Get it done. Tom Cruise may be a crazy Scientologist. And this is one of my quandaries that I have with my life because I loved Tom Cruise growing up. I was like, Top Gun. I was kind of like a G.I. Joe Army kid. And when that came out, I was like, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever. And then when I worked at the video store, when I was a teenager, I was like, I just went through all his catalog. And the, he made, you know, Legend. There's, his catalog is pretty stacked. And he does like sci-fi films. He makes lots of sci-fi films for us. But... He's just batshit crazy with the Scientology. And now he's kind of getting a little older, so the running around and the craziness and is, is getting a little far-fetched. But American Made comes out this week. And I was... Oh, man. I, w- I was looking forward to this. And the film is like the big short. It has the big short feel. And I, you know, I was watching, I was like, oh, this, this feels like the big short. And then I remembered who was directing the film, and it's Doug Lyman, who directed Swingers, and he directed Go. And then I was like, wait a second, this isn't the big short. This is more like Go, but with drug running and craziness and all the other stuff that goes on with the world. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. And because there was so much craziness going on in it, you know, and and the fact that it's pseudo real, who knows how real and how crazy it was in the film. I know that in uh, Mena, Arkansas, they're having a premiere there. And that's apparently the town that this character, Tom Cruise's character, Barry Seal, he built his like millions and millions and millions there and this small town in Arkansas. And the film just, 
just runs, you know, and it just keeps amping up the craziness. And Barry Seal doesn't really have a moral compass, or he kind of just is like water and just ebbs and flows where he goes and just ends up in the weirdest places. And that was just a weird time, the 80s, and with the war on drugs and, and then the stuffed Iran-Contra scandal. And and this is where it kind of gets into the Big Short territory because you're like, Big Short kind of just explains all that happened with history of the financial crisis, and this kind of explains the history of the craziness of Central America and our dealings with it and being anti-communist and anti-drugs and all the craziness going down there as we, as Americans, just pour money and guns into situations trying to, like, move the pawns around and the pawns don't move the way they want them to and the chaos that ensues and the different agencies involved and all this stuff. But since it's it's a crazy film and Doug Lyman like brings the jokes and accents, everything that goes on and just gives it a really cool edge to a very sad subject. So then it ends. And I was like, Oh, Oh yeah. That's, that's when it, when it turns dark, it, it gets dark and you're just like, Oh shit. The one problem that I kind of have with this film is Tom Cruise has a Louisiana accent in there, and it just takes a lot to get used to. It probably took for me half the movie to get used to the accent, and I was like, okay, the movie's just rolling and things are going with it and everything. So that was a little tough to get through. All the supporting characters that are in this are pretty decent. Nobody really kind of stood out too much I'm trying to think if there was anybody who was in there that, you know, cause Tom Cruise just kind of owns the whole thing and just, it's just about his crazy personality. You know, he asked his wife several times, Lucy Barry asked his wife, Lucy several times, do you trust me? And she's like, hell no, I don't trust you. And that's just the personality that Barry had. It was interesting. Sarah Wright, she is in this. She plays Lucy Seal, Barry's wife. And she's a little younger than Tom Cruise. Maybe, you know, 20-something years younger. So that was an interesting casting choice because I'm assuming that this is Hollywood and they always... You know, if you're 40, you're you're going to be married to a 25-year-old. And if you're 50, you're probably still married to a 25-year-old. She's not that young. She's not that young, but she's still She's in her she's in her 30s. She's in her 30s. She's looking she looks very professional. Very professional. Oh man, this movie was just so much fun. And the craziness and the shenanigans and just all the stuff that was going on cuz Barry just keeps getting deeper and deeper in a hole. And you're just like, how is he going to get out of this? And what's going to go on? And, and then good old America screws over Barry Seal. And they're just like, ah, oh, come on. And I remember being a kid and my grandfather was like glued to the Oliver North trials, the Iran Contra scandal, like all that stuff. Cause that's when like, Cable and C-SPAN started, 
you know, it was already broadcast every day, but like it's when you can actually just find it really quickly. And I remember my grandfather was watching this all the time. And I was like, oh my God, this is so boring. But I always, Ollie North has always been ingrained in my head uh, since that time. And it's the 80s, just bizarre, man. Just a bizarre time, you know. And I guess it's like everything else too, but. People were just wheeling and dealing and trying to get as much money as possible and just making things happen. And they didn't care who they trampled on. But I guess that happens now, too. Who knows? Who knows? But Doug Lyman, he shines. He shines with his direction in this film. He does. Just so much airplane work going on there. Uh, just the different shots and the craziness of hanging out. With Pablo Escobar and in Colombia, like there was so many different good scenes and so many different types of people throughout the film and that uh, Barry's interacting with. It's just crazy. It's crazy how they pulled that all together. Like I'm, I'm interested to see how this film will do at the box office. Because I I don't I don't know if everybody's gonna get the film, and then afterwards, like the word of mouth kind of thing, like where is that gonna go with people? That'll be interesting. I mean, because we got a strange time in the world, and strange shits going on. I bet you there's another Barry right now running planes and just make running a muck. All over the place. Yeah, the production budget on this thing was $80 million. Man, I wonder how much of that is Tom Cruise's salary. The film's already made $60 million overseas. Should make $20 million this week. I'm confused. I'm confused. I I knew the movie cost money, but I, I wasn't expecting it to cost that much money. The direct the writer of the film. He hasn't written too much. Gary Spinelli. Uh, this is like second film as a writer. And his first film was The Stash House. That never, you know. I mean, it stars Dolph Lundgren. I mean, if you're going to write for anybody, you, you want to write for Dolph. But I love this film. American Made. I enjoyed it. I went to the theater and I was like, oof. And there's a lot of funny parts in it. Like you're rolling. It's like go with that, where you're just like, oh, they just zing me. They zing me. And uh whew. It's got some, if you sit there and you let it sit in you, it's got some powerful stuff too. It's got some powerful stuff that goes on there too. So it's a, it's an interesting film. I'm very interested to see what people think of it total as a whole. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes currently has it at at an 85%, which is a good sign. Certified fresh. Fresh. You got to love Rotten Tomatoes and their freshness. It's 95 critics are in. 81 of them like it. 14 of them don't like it. I mean, this guy liked it, so apparently 82 people liked it. But it'll be weird. I I, I have a feeling it's not going to go over well with the general public. That's my feeling. Just... The Tom Cruise factor, and then the subject matter. Because I don't really think people understand what the film's about. And I don't think people are going to know what they're going to get into. But I enjoyed it. 
I gave it four monkeys out of five. That's a pretty solid compliment. If you go see American Made this weekend, please listen to this podcast and then come back and comment. You know, whichever way you're going to do it. If you listen to the podcast before, then see the film, whichever way you do. Like, so if, if you go see the film, come back here and just be like, hey, Matt, I thought this film was a 4.5 out of 5. Or, hey, Matt, I thought it was a solid 2 because I can't stay in the Tom Cruise. But whatever you do, come back here, shoot me a comment, and I would love to talk to you about movies. Lone Star Barbecue Sauce. Have you ever heard of the Western Appreciation Guild? They want to give you a Lifetime Achievement Award. Lifetime, huh? Anything else? A job offer? A script? Not at the moment. Dad? What are you doing here? I guess it's been a while, huh? I gotta get back. You trying to give me a heart attack? That was a cop knock. Are you okay? You seem a little off. I did one film that I'm proud of. That was 40 years ago. Since then, I wouldn't say I've been achieving. Lee, Charlotte, Charlotte Lee. Hey. You're staring at me. I like trying to figure people out. So what'd you figure out about me? Not a thing. Mr. Hayden, I am such a huge fan. I just love your mustache. It loves you, too. Lost in the dream. One of the most popular actors in the 1970s, Mr. Lee Hayden. I love you, too. I'm nothing without all of you. Down in the way. How old are you? How old are you? 71. Why do you want to know how old I am? Because this seems a little odd. If you've got a problem with it, I'll go. It's always hard to tell. What did you get into last night? I got offers, I got scripts. Fax over the pages. Wow. You still fax? I want to get past this. You can't just decide to fix things. Give me a chance to write another chapter. It's kind of weird being remembered for one part for so many years. But it's about as close to immortality as any person can get. Coffee's pretty good. Yes, Folgers. <laughs> One thing that I try to do over the weekend, since I have like press screenings during the week, is I try to go to iTunes or Netflix or Hulu or HBO. I think that's everything that I got. I, Amazon, Amazon Prime video as well. So I got those five things working right now. And I try to go back and see what I've missed because I can't see everything. So once the women and children go to bed, I peruse the iTunes and the Netflixes and the Hulus and the Amazons and the HBOs. And I, I try to find a film I haven't watched that I want to watch. And it's tough. It's tough sometimes because sometimes I just spend a whole hour watching trailers and you're like shit shit it is now 11 o'clock at night and how am i supposed to start a movie at 11 o'clock and my kid's gonna wake up at like midnight and i was like damn it 
So sometimes it's just an epic fail. But I try to find a movie to watch over the weekend so that I can kind of talk about it, be like my retro review thing. Because you're probably watching these movies too and you're probably looking for shit to do on a Saturday night too when you're sitting on your couch. And this week, I watched The Hero with Sam Elliott. And holy shit was that good. Oh, one, I like Sam Elliott. So if you don't like Sam Elliott, man, you're probably going to be off on this film. But for me, I love Sam Elliott. I love Sam Elliott's voice. I love Sam Elliott's mustache. I love Sam Elliott. Have you not seen Sam Elliott Roadhouse? Like that is Vincent Sam Elliott. Lonesome Dove. Come on. This is Sam Elliott. And the hero is about an ailing movie star who comes to terms with his past immortality. Damn. Damn. Like I'm 40 right now. And like, this is what 40 year olds do is they think about their mortality all the time. And they give me a movie about mortality. And I was like, shit, I don't want to watch this shit. Like, damn, damn. And then I was like, wait a second. I got to watch it. And then the golden, the goldenness happened. Is Nick Offerman is Sam Elliott's weed dealer in this film. Oh my gatos. So apparently in the story, this is what they're saying. They're saying that Sam Elliott had a TV show, short-lived Western TV show. And Nick Offerman was the kid in that TV show you know, the kids yelling, Shane, Shane, come back. Like, that was Nick Offerman back in the day. But Nick Offerman really hasn't done anything too much, but he's bonded this relationship with Sam Elliott's character. And Nick Offerman now sells weed to Sam Elliott's character, and they hang out at their house. And, oh, there is so much goodness in those few moments in Jeremy Frost. He's the weed dealer. In Jeremy's house. With Lee Hayden, Lee Hayden, Sam Elliott's character. Like, I would have just watched a movie with those two getting high and joking around. I was not expecting that. But this is, this is what we're getting now. Like, I feel like The Wrestler kind of started this kind of genre of mortality, indie, gritty, goodness, character-driven craziness. Ah. Oh. So, so good. Hey, man, I just, if you like anything I'm saying, just like a little ounce of it, I'm not even doing this film justice. Just go watch it. And Sam Elliott ends up hooking up with one of Nick Offerman's other people that he deals weed with. And you might recognize her from the 70s show. She played. Donna, she's now in orange, is new black. Laura Prepon, or Prepon, however you're pronouncing her name. She's got some crazy eyebrows. I don't think she had the crazy eyebrows when she was on the 70s show. But she's got some crazy eyebrows now, and I'm really not sure what is going on. I mean, she had crazy eyebrows on the 70s show. But now, she had thin. 
They look normal. They still look like they're in the right place. I don't know what she's done to her face. But there is something odd with those eyebrows. And it's weird. It's just weird. <sighs> Man, it's it's just tough. I don't know what she did. They look like they look like they're in the middle of her forehead. You know, they they go up the forehead. Where like they're, you know, normal eyebrows go across the eyebrow, you know, the brow of the eye, where hers go up into her forehead. I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. But she plays a nice, likable character to Sam Elliott's gritty, weathered, leathered face, stoner kid. I don't know what, but it, they compliment each other. I was originally, I was like, oh, come on, get off it. There's, that's not, that's not good. But there's, there is a little bit of chemistry there. And then Nick Offerman's in there. So you got a nice balance. And then, then, whew, when it gets really exciting, is Jessica Jones is Sam Elliott's daughter in this, Kristen Ritter. And I was like, what? And she plays like a preppy girl that works at Google. And after watching Jessica Jones, I was like, no, no, you cannot, you cannot do that. Like you just need, you need your jacket and you need your little scarf and you need to be sassy. I mean, she's always sassy, but it was really funny. Cause when she's like playing, taking tennis lessons, I was like, Jessica Jones is not taking tennis lessons. Come on. But she was she was good. She plays a solid character. And the story plays it straight. Play it straight. You know, there's no crazy Hollywoodish writing in there where everything becomes rosy and clean. And it's it's like the wrestler where the shit's just gritty and it's real and it's honest. So good. I was so happy that I watched it. I woke up Sunday morning. I was like, oh, so happy. Sam Elliott, inspirational. Nick Offerman just doing what he does. That guy's an American treasure. I gave this film 4.5 monkeys out of five. If you go rent the hero, come back here or on social media. Or in snail mail, if you want to send me a letter. Just just tell me what score you gave it. Did you enjoy it? Did you not like it? What did you not like about it? Come on, buddy. You know what I mean? Like, get, just talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me, Goose. What's going on? Don't hit your head on the uh, ceiling of the plane and die in the movie. God, I still can't handle that Goose died in that film. Top Gun. Oh, Top Gun. Shit. Goose is dead. What are we going to do? The hero got a 77% on Rotten Tomatoes. Because only 90, 90 certified critics on Rotten Tomatoes uh, put their review in. So 69 liked it. 21 did not. I don't get it. Their consensus. The hero rests on Sam Elliott's understated performance, which proves more than capable of carrying the film through the less inspired moments of its somewhat cliched story. It's cliche because it's fucking real, people. Come on, Rotten Tomatoes and your bullshit. 
critics consensuses consensi consensees goose geese i get it god it's a really good film and if you like sam elliott you're really gonna like it it's not typical you know there's some some stuff going on there some moving and shaking you might tear up a little bit depends on how sensitive a guy you are or how machismo guy you are because I think the more machismo you are in this film the more you're going to cry but definitely tell me what you think of the film I enjoyed it I gave it 4.5 monkeys out of 5 up next week we have Blade Runner coming at you and right now we have Larry Taylor the managing editor of Monkeys Fighting Robots because he has Some movie news for us. Managing editor of Monkeys Fighting Robots, Larry Taylor, is with us again this week. And we have some movie news and some of your opinions we need to discuss. But first, let's go to the movie news. Annihilation just came out this morning. The trailer. I love this guy anyway. So I'm super stoked about sci-fi greatness. And it looks like Alex Garland's getting a budget. Exactly. He's getting a little bit of money now, and he's bringing Oscar Isaac back, which is always awesome news. Uh, yeah, I didn't know. I don't know. Do you know anything about these uh, books, this trilogy that it's based on? I don't. I don't. I do not know anything about this trilogy. Uh, I probably should have researched that before we did our podcast. Yeah. But it just broke. It just dropped today. No, uh, no, no. I'm talking yeah, the book. Yeah, I don't, I, I've never read the book or anything. I don't know anybody who has read it, but I'm, I might need to pick it up. But Jennifer Jason Lee. The crazies. Yeah. Yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee's in it. Natalie Portman as the lead. We're already blanking on her, but I was very excited to see her coming back to the sci-fi roots because I think that's that's where I think she fits in. She's that nerdy girl that should be doing this shit. Right. She needs to do sci-fi and edgy and, uh, I don't know, serious or, or, you know, introspective stuff like this. I think she's really good at it. Stay away from the, what was that, Western she made. You know, she doesn't belong in in a Western. I don't think that fits her personality. Ah, uh, that film was, I think that film had like 22 directors and people fell off the project. It, that wasn't her fault. Uh, yeah, I guess so. She was still, well, <laughs> retract that. She was great in Cold Mountain, right? Yeah. Small part. She was good in that. Okay, well, I'm sorry, Natalie, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I talked with Oscar Isaac before Ex Machina came out, and that guy loves science fiction like he corrected me because i was like i was like hey you know you're kind of like this sci-fi guy now with with ex machia and x-men and star wars and he's like those two movies are not sci-fi and i was like oh i'm sorry i stand corrected mr isaac yeah i love it uh <laughs> i'm so afraid in ex machina that the dance scene alone is worth the price of admission on that movie um so who knows what kind of weird stuff we have in store with this one i hear the ending of the book from what I've looked at, is like really surreal. So I don't know how far Garland's going to go with that, or if he's going to take the take the ending in a different direction. So we'll see. And I wonder if they have it like penned in to like be a sequel, or like to be a trilogy. Yeah, I think they probably have like all the stoves ready to fire, but I, I think they're they're waiting to see how how well this one takes off. But I, I mean, sci-fi nerds are going to go out and see this. It looks awesome. So, but, you know, and it's in February. February is kind of becoming this new month 
uh, where people know that they can get these semi blockbusters in there and start making a lot of bank because nobody because people don't have anything else to do. It's a perfect month for it. They used to just dump crap in February, but it looks like they're putting good movies there now. January and February was my favorite month for my friend Dennis and I because we would go see all the shitty sci-fi action horror movies that would come out at that time. That and we're first like this January is always yeah. Right. And I was like, this is awesome. And now this genre is still staying the same, but the quality of films are getting better. So I love my January, February crappy movie time. Yeah, that first weekend in January is always uh, always a trip to see what they dump out there. It's usually an underworld movie. I don't see one on the uh, schedule this year. It's usually underworld, and then Mila, Resident Evil. Yeah, Resident Evil usually has something going yeah. on at that point in time. Uh, you know what's funny well, is this: tr- the first image that they released. For Annihilation has nothing yeah. to do with the film whatsoever. And that, that's not even Portman in the picture. Uh, I couldn't recognize who those the two people were. But shit, that's not, she's not one of them, is she? No, with the one with the alligator, like the albino alligator oh. that they're opening up. Okay, I was looking at the other one uh, earlier. Okay, yeah, that's, that's what I think is cool about this one. Because I think it's going to have this science fiction element, right? And it's going to be super cerebral and eventually, you know, quote unquote surreal. But it also has like, because of the situation of this world they're in, they've got this ability to have like an action adventure movie, like in the jungle. So it's a really cool, I guess, dichotomy of, uh, you know, types of genres kind of mixed together right there. So it's it's going to be fascinating to see how they, how they uh, execute that. She's firing a semi-automatic at one point in the, in the trailer, so... Yes, it's she might be able to flex her action muscles. It's full blown action at certain points in time. You know what I was feeling when I first watched this trailer was I was yeah. feeling, I think it came out in like '96. I was feeling Congo, the Congo. Yeah. Okay. When you said '96, that's it popped right in my head. Yeah, Congo. <laughs> I haven't seen that in a long time. That was in the uh, Michael Crichton wave of the late '90s when everybody wanted to uh, have the next Jurassic Park. But this looks way better than the Congo. Yeah. So, but I would have been excited if there was some sort of robotic ape in this film. <laughs> maybe there is. I don't know. Maybe it's all robots. You don't know. I mean, maybe the whole middle thing is right. There's. It could go a million different directions. Yeah. And so with this film, apparently there's this area that has been quarantined and been taken over by nature and. There's been 13 expeditions into this area, and every time an expedition goes in, something crazy happens, whether they kill each other, mass suicides, die of cancer, or just disappear. Like, So something mystical or supernatural is going on in this area, and so that's the big mystery with this. Yeah, it's fascinating, and, and readers of the trilogy are probably... You know, banging their hand on the table right now because they know exactly what's what's going on. But uh, it looks fascinating. I love the the thing when they walk through. You know, it's got the like the rainbow colored swirly whatever that is. That little orb that's around the area. That was pretty cool looking. And then it looks like humans have been turned into plants. Like it looks yeah. like people have been like, I don't know what's happened to them, but like you see a whole bunch of like people that look like trees and 
there's a lot of insane visuals in this film. Like it is awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. Oh man, this is I was you know this is what I like is because I didn't even have this film on my radar. Like I was like, yeah, we got all this stuff, and it's like, oh, and then this comes out of nowhere. I was like, <gasps> you know, yeah, I, I had. I've been keeping track of what Alex Garland's uh, doing, and then I saw we saw the images yesterday, I guess, and then the trailer today, and that's the first I've heard of it. So I've started looking on the uh, looking at the synopsis of the book and everything, just to try and get a get a hold of what's happening. Do you read the book before you see the film, or do you see the film first? Oh, you know that's it's tough. It's like you want to read the book because you want knowledge of this world, maybe. And I'm sure the book's fantastic. It seems like it's a it's a huge hit, but man, I don't want this movie spoiled to me. It's like, which one do you value more? Uh, you know, readers probably read the book. You know, movie people wait for the movie. I, I'm torn on that, but I think I might wait for the movie. Yeah, I'm a I'm a movie person. I it started with the Harry Potter things, where like I was reading the books after the first film came out, and I read like the second book before the film, and it's like the extended DVD, the book is the extended DVD right. version. So you watch the film and then you read the book and you're like, oh, I'm getting all this new information. But then when you read the right. book before, like, you're like, oh, they left everything out. Like there's such a negative feeling when they leave stuff out. Exactly. You're disappointed in something or another. Uh, the closest I ever got, you know, I read uh, No Country for Old Men before the movie came out back in 07. And I wasn't disappointed in those. But that's about, that's been the only one. Because uh, the Coen brothers stayed almost page per page, uh, accurate with that. Uh, and there's another article I want to talk to you about. You wrote an article earlier this week about Vince Vaughn, and you're talking about his possibility of having a renaissance, a vaughnaissance, or whatever you want to call it, uh, with his career. Uh, explain. Uh, yeah, the Vonnaissance, I think that were I mean, I think after McConaughey had the McConaissance or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, these actors who were kind of big in the 90s and then started making, you know, really bad career choices um, and, you know, kind of up and down uh, throughout the late 90s, early 2000s are starting to like, get their feet underneath them or mature into a different type of actor. And I think Vince Vaughn is, is trying to stretch that. Uh, in the same way that, that McConaughey did it. <clears throat> I heard somebody even mention a review of the film, of Brawl and Cell Block 99 we're talking about, the upcoming uh, S. Craig Zoller brutal action movie. That's about all I know about it. But that it was it was kind of like, um, if this gets enough eyes on it, this movie gets popular enough, it's kind of like uh, Travolta was in Pulp Fiction, kind of reinventing himself in front of everybody. Now that's probably not going to happen. I doubt that many people are going to see. It's not going to, you know, take the take the industry by storm or anything. But I think it's a good step in the right direction. I mean, uh, I like Vince Vaughn goofy comedies as much as the next guy when they're good. They haven't been good in a long time, and the guy looks wore out. You know, I mean, that what was the one where they're at Google, the, like the Google ad, the, the internship, ad. man. Yeah, it's the best. Uh-oh. No, he just looked tired and whipped by the whole thing. You know, I think he tried. Okay, you, you're missing. You're missing the intricacies of the internship because if you watch that film, Vince Vaughn is never not eating in that film. He's always yeah. once he gets to Google, he is always eating something at Google. So he's Brad. He's Brad Pitt in the Oceans movies, then <laughs> a different version. <laughs> yeah, and then the one with. Uh, Dave Franco, the unfinished business, you know, he looks so beaten down by all that. 
And then, you know, he tried the true detective route. You know, that was kind of, that's what kind of ties it in with McConaughey, right? Because McConaughey, oh. one of his big twists was, hey, I'm going to hop on this true detective thing. And that's when people started taking big notice of what he was doing. And right after that, it's Dallas Buyers Club. You know what I mean? He's starting to, he get, he got on a roll there for a little while. He's kind of falling off again, but he got on quite a roll there. And I think that's what Vaughn's trying to do. And I love it. I love dark, brooding, violent Vince Vaughn. I think it's cool. I think Vince Vaughn just gets a bad rap. Like, I mean, like, people are like, oh, we can't take him serious and true detective. Like, I, you didn't like the guy, or you don't like the guy, I get it, you know, but like, I thought True Detective, he was fine in True Detective. I thought his character arc was, was okay. It was the show that had the shittiness at the end of it. But, I mean, like, it wasn't anything that he did that he brought to the table that made it asinine. Right. Yeah, I think he was I think he was good in it. And, I, and, man, the further you get away from that second season of True Detective, the more just, like, batshit crazy that whole season seems. I mean, you start thinking about all the stuff that happened in there, what you can remember... I mean, it's it's crazy all the stuff they tried to do in that second season, and yeah, it wasn't his fault. Um, you know, the thirty-minute walking through the desert, dying uh, scene—you know—it was in the script. He did it. So, I think if he gets the right script and the right director, I think this is a good one. S. Craig Zoller, because uh, they're working on the uh, police drama. Have you heard about this one that Vaughn's doing next with S. Craig Zoller? No, I, I have not. I have not. It's uh, it's called Dragged Across Concrete, and okay, so it stars Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn as two police officers who are suspended for police brutality, and they seek revenge of some sort. Does this not sound like a totally problematic movie to you? Uh, it sounds timely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially with Mel Gibson as the other cop. So he's he's definitely trying the uh, the dark violent route so we'll see if it pays off and i liked him at hacksaw ridge like i I think he has one of the best drill sergeant lines ever in like an army movie because he has the goofball tendencies or like the dry dry wit so when he goes around the room and gives everybody a nickname i was like this is fucking brilliant right it's kind of his uh frat boy bully persona coming out a little bit which is uh but it's got a little more bite to it because of the seriousness of the movie. Uh, I didn't like I didn't like him at first in that movie, but he's grown on me. I saw it again, and I thought he did a good job knowing what to expect. It's just it, it cracks me up because nobody realize you don't realize until you put him in the situation like how big he is. He's so yeah, much he's, bigger than everyone else. I know he's six five, six six, something like that. I mean, it's it's really jarring. It's because most actors are you know traditionally shorter. Uh, it's him and Tim Robbins is the same. You know, that guy's gigantic, too. I'm looking at the details for Dragged Across Concrete, and the script centered around two policemen, an older one, Gibson, the other, his vital younger partner, Vaughn, who find themselves suspended when a video of their strong-arm tactics becomes the media pause du jour. Low on cash yeah. and with no other options, these two embittered soldiers descend into the criminal world to gain their just due, but instead find far more than they wanted awaiting them in the chateaus. Does this not, yeah, this sounds like a, a good companion piece to the uh, Eli Roth Death Wish movie coming out. Uh, man, I don't know, man. With Mel Gibson there, you think yeah, the cops might be playing the victim, but we'll see. It'll be interesting. It might fire some people up. Yeah, don't be, God, it's, 
it's going to be an interesting time. We were we were talking about that at the film film at the film screening yesterday for American Made that the shit is going to hit the fan politically when the NBA season starts. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean because they're not going to lose you know, they can't point to any ratings with the NBA and saying, "Look, the ratings are down," which the NFL, they're down a little bit, you know, but the NBA is not going to go down. The NBA is probably the strongest league right going right now as far as PR and ratings and whatnot. So, yeah, it's not going to get any better. I mean, I, I told my I, – this has been my theory, and, you know, and this is our slight little jaunt into politics, but, like, you can make fun of the media all they want because, like, they're fractured. Uh, writers don't make a lot of money. And there's a distrust to it. But when you make fun of athletes and you pick on athletes, it's like hitting a bee's nest with a baseball bat because one, one, they're unionized two they're millionaires and have tons of money behind them to like do whatever fuck they want. And three, they're really, really, really good at PR. Yeah. I mean, he, if you notice, he hasn't said anything yet about LeBron and LeBron has been after him. You know, for months now, he's getting he's getting more heated with it after he came out and talked about Steph Curry and all that. And it's like he won't acknowledge that LeBron's calling him out because he can't say anything about it. He can't call him failing. He can't call him a loser. He can't call him all these names that he has for people. Right? He's intimidated by LeBron because LeBron has a ton of fans and a ton of people respecting what he's doing, and it makes him uncomfortable to even acknowledge that's over there. You know, and so it's just going to get worse when, like you said, when the NBA season starts. It's going to be interesting. It's going to get, it's going to be get really interesting because, and that's one of the things I was talking about pre Trump is, you know, when times are good, shock art is kind of like blase. Nobody's real riled up. Right. But when times right. are bad, you start getting films like mother and yeah. crazy shit's going to start happening. And, and we've been so mellow that it's going to just, the nerves are just going to get rattled to pieces. And that is, and you could, yeah, like you said, you can see it already in, in some films coming out. The Killing of a Sacred Deer is very tense and unnerving, That you know, the trailers are. Um, it looks super uncomfortable and, like you said, surreal and, and just kind of out there. And I think we are going to get a ton of that stuff. Annihilation might turn out to be something like that. We don't know. Yeah, no, it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting to just, like, sit back and, like, uh, and I'm not telling you to sit back, but just to... To watch films and just try to look for those tendencies and those trends and see what see what filmmakers are trying to get across and their meaning and just see what that reception is and and how it works. I mean, because Hollywood, I know films are down money wise, but Hollywood's still making a shit ton of money. Uh, so it's it's a powerful medium to get a message across. Yeah, and it's and dystopia is becoming. I mean, it's been around ever since, especially post nine eleven. You know, dystopic dystopian films saw a boon a little bit, but it's. I think it's getting even more so now. I mean, a lot of these, you know, annihilation. That's a dystopia, and the world is growing in the middle of it. There, uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Uh, you know, shit doesn't look that cool where wherever they're living. So I mean, I think it's going to be. You know, like you said, start, and I and Mother too. I think Mother. You know, I saw it this past weekend, finally. And, I mean, the allegory is pretty clear when you read what Aronofsky said about it. But it also is this very, like, dystopian, people-are-crazy kind of vibe to it. And, uh, you know, 
I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be pretty popular over the next hopefully two and a half, three years, I don't know. Huh, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. I'm and I'm waiting for it to I'm really upset that it won't hit music because music the music industry is the only industry that is gonna just suck. And I've been trying to figure out how to fix that uh forever. And the only way I think you can fix it is if there's radio stations on Facebook. I think that's how you could fix stuff. That's a good idea. You know, because then you yeah. could like you know, if the if the Nirvana came through, like you could see, you could share that, and then the viral thread kind of just kind of goes through. But nobody nobody's searching for music. You know, Nirvana yeah. isn't going to make a music video. You know, like until they like get the money. But like you could get a good sound and then start sharing it. But I don't think Facebook wants to get involved in music um, and TV. I mean, you're going to start seeing. I, I, I'm trying to think of like what they're going to do with TV. I, I mean, I wonder if they're just going to just keep over diversifying things, you know, with it, not yeah. saying that there is an over of diversity, you know, or, or too much of it. I'm just saying that like, you know, what you see in real life of like the white men in political office are like, okay, well, we're just going to start filling it up with women and, and people of different descent. And then we're going to play out what we think will happen kind of thing. Like that's their rebellious side, I guess. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, that that could absolutely. You could see that start happening. You know, everywhere. I'm on IMDb because we're looking at this stuff right now, and I think there's a TV show coming out called The Mayor, where like a, you know, an African American kid ends up becoming the mayor of the town. I saw the uh, I saw a preview for that. It's on ABC or something like that. Yeah. I don't remember the last network sitcom that I've watched, but that it made me laugh, made me chuckle a couple of times. Uh, is that uh, that's not the one with Urkel in it, is it? Uh, the mayor new sitcom coming out. And I thought maybe that's, maybe that's the one with Bobby Moynihan. I don't know. I got. I think I'm getting those. There's stuff, this, but yeah, here, no. Here this is the one with the girl from uh, the girl from Glee. And, oh right, right, right. Yeah, and uh, Marcel Spears is the uh, is the uh, oh, it's a struggling hip hop artist runs for mayor to promote his mixtape, and he accidentally wins the election. Okay, so we're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, emperors with no clothes, you know, people elected office that have no business being there. That might be a new trend. Mr. Smith goes to Washington, man. One of the greatest movies yeah. of all time. Yep. Or is it Mr. Yeah, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. What's the Mr. Deeds one? That's a different. Mr. Deeds? Is that Adam Sandler? <laughs> no, no, no. It's based on a Jimmy Stewart movie, too. Mr. Deeds goes to town or something like that. It's in the same vein. But the, I mean, Mister Deeds goes to town. Nineteen thirty-six. Gary Cooper. Gary Cooper. Yeah, there we go. Simple-hearted Vermont tuba player inherits a fortune and has to contend with opportunistic city slickers. Yeah, so he's got to he's got to go in with the uh, with the wealthy folk. Uh, Mister Deeds is better, so just don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just need to bring back the word city slickers. I think that's what we need to do. Yeah. City slickers still holds up. I'm even a fan of the second one just because John Lovitz is in it. You have a love you have a you have a, a love affection for John Lovitz? Man, he's the best part of uh now I'm losing it. A League of Their Own. Yes. He's the All Star. <laughs> so great. Oh man. I I he's on my bucket list. I'm I'm going to see Kevin Hart in October. Uh and D. L. Hughley opens up for him. I'm a big fan of comedians. And um I'm going to see him, and but John Lovitz is on my list. 
David, I'd definitely go see David Spade. I bet he's funny. Deuce Bigelow, I thought that guy was awesome, but I've watched his new show on Netflix where it's kind of his reality-ish show, and I was like, Deuce, what happened to you? Yeah, he's a he's a major douchebag, too. But he Rob was, Schneider. Yeah, Rob Schneider. I was like, oh, I love Rob Schneider. He's the best. And I was like, I saw this show. I was like, damn it, Rob. Why don't you just have to grow up and become a douche? Yeah, he's terrible, man. He's he's a bad follow on Twitter, that's for sure. Oh, speaking of comedy, like you were talking about a minute ago, the uh, the new stand-up uh, Jerry before Seinfeld, I watched it the other night on Netflix. Pretty funny. Pretty good stuff. I, I'd never seen any of his, like, you know, other than the beginning of the show, any of his uh, straight stand-up. And it's a, it's a new one, and, it, and he, he does it. He performs it at the place, the Comedy Strip, where he first started back in, like, 1976. So it's pretty good. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check it out. I almost saw it over the weekend, but I ended up going and watching Hero, the Sam Elliott film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, uh, yeah. I haven't seen that yet, but I saw a preview for it. Okay. If, if I can't sell you with this one description my skills are broken entirely nick <laughs> okay nick offerman is sam elliott's weed dealer in the film <laughs> say no more you had me at sam elliott and nick offerman and now you put that that uh, little caveat in there and uh i'll check it out for sure Oh man, there. The, I I just want to see a whole movie of those guys, but it was it's really good. I'm actually going to talk about it in this podcast, uh, probably before or after we record this. But like, I really enjoyed it. It's uh, it's on iTunes right now, so it's it's a, it's a renter, but uh, definitely check it out. It's good times. Larry, thank you as always. I really enjoyed going into the rabbit hole of shenanigans with you today. Hey, I had a blast, man. It's almost Rocktober. Here come all the good movies. Awesome. I'll talk to you next week. All right, we'll see you. Hey, Matt, we survived another episode. Oh, no! Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on Blog Talk Radio. That's our home, people. Must protect our home. If you have a chance, we'd greatly appreciate a review of our show on iTunes. As always, the best way to listen to the show is on our website, monkeyspendrobots.com. Okay, Lunchbox, let's try this again. There are so many people that made the 133rd episode of the movie show exist. Special shout out to managing editor of Monkey Spend Robots, Larry Taylor. Larry Taylor. Jeff Shade is the creator of our amazing intros and outros. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkey Spider Robots logo. Are you a monkey? Are you a robot? To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for your support. I'm Matt Sardo, and this is Monkeys Fighting Robots. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.